0: Mom, Dad, I humbly suggest you save some money and shop Amazon for back to school. It's for my growth, meaning my body's growing at an alarming rate. And clothes you buy me this year will be very small very soon. Plus, the clothes I love today will be out of style tomorrow. But at least your wallet doesn't have to be my fashion victim if you shop low prices for school at Amazon. Hopefully this is helpful. Amazon, spend less, smile more.
1: Capella University is rethinking higher education. With their game-changing FlexPath format, you can earn your degree on your schedule so you can fit education seamlessly into your life. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.
2: I personally just take everything that I don't think is business-related and throw it into either owner's draw or which is on your balance sheet or somewhere else. So we have a nice clean P&L. So with the next buyer... That or would they decide to sell it? And the next buyer looks at it and says, Oh, wow, okay. And you have a true bottom line numbers, but not all bookkeepers, not all businesses run their books that way.
3: In today's economy, more people than ever are looking to buy and sell businesses. But how do you do it? Welcome to the Deal Board, presented by Trans World Business Advisors straight talk about real deals and real people. Listen to stories, interviews, and expert advice to help your business sale, merger, or acquisition process. Now, here are your business exit
1: experts, Andy and Jessica. Welcome back to The Deal Board, everyone. And we're really excited about this new 2022 project for us. So we're in our third third year, right, Andy? Third podcast. year. Third year. Crazy. Um, we did this pre-pandemic, I remember, when we came up with the idea. But what we did is we have so many new listeners and so many subscribers now that maybe haven't heard all the episodes we're going to go back and rehash and update some of our most popular topics and some of the basic topics of buying and selling a business. And today we're going to start with our most asked question, which is, What is my business worth? And we're going to split this into two episodes. So today we're going to cover a process called recasting. So, Andy, why don't you explain what recasting is and how it ties into valuations?
0: Yeah, recasting is that most businesses, when they come up with their financials at the end of the year, they are doing so to minimize taxes. And what happens is, is that a lot of businesses really are aggressive in that. And they, and they handle things differently. And, and businesses just pay uh, different salaries to the owners. There's a lot of ways that make the businesses very hard to compare. So what we do in recasting is we recast those financials so we can compare them from business to business. And, we're, and we have a, a way of recasting that is generally accepted in the business brokerage world and in, the, in valuation and the banks. And everybody agrees that this is the way we need to look at businesses.
1: Yeah. So it normalizes business business to business. So if you're looking at a construction company, you can compare it to a roofing company or things like that because every business owner like you said Andy does things a little bit differently. And we have to do this before we even get into the valuation process, which we'll talk about next episode, which is about the comparables and multiples and things like that. So Why don't we, we have a couple of good interviews today, but we're going to start by doing through our intro, talking about what are some of these normal recasted or added back expenses?
0: Yes. And and it, and it does vary a little bit from big business to small business. So big businesses, when they're buying another company called the mergers and acquisitions, when they go through that process, when they look at a business, they're going to look at a business's EBITDA and that's earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. Basically, what does the business look like debt-free? But they're still going to allow or still going to have in there the, the salary and the benefits that it would take to run that business with someone in charge, a CEO or a president. Now, when we look at small business, because a lot of times the only thing that's there in small business is those benefits and salaries for the owner or owners. We do add that as well. And we come up with what's called seller's discretionary earnings or discretionary earnings or SDE. They call it a whole bunch of things, owner benefit. But whatever you see on the internet, saying on something like Biz Buy Sell, we're talking about adding back EBITDA plus the owner's salary and benefits, and then, of course, normalizing other things that we need to normalize.
1: Yeah, and that's a good point you bring up, Andy, too, because it's very important to understand if you're working with, when you're valuing a company, EBITDA or seller's discretionary earnings, because the multiples will be different as well. So when we get into the next episode when we talk about multiples, you really have to understand, are you looking at a company's EBITDA or like you said, SDE cash flow. We agree a lot, a lot of stuff in business brokerage. But we gotta, we gotta normalize or pick one name for self discretionary. I here. know,
0: <laughs> but I, I think even at Transworld, yeah, you see all the internet sites. They call it adjusted net. They call it uh, SDE or DE. I think SDE is probably the most well most used. Yeah, most used.
1: Yeah. So let's jump into some of these expenses. So we're going to go through a cheat sheet of some, what are the, some of the expenses that get recasted or you'll hear added back a lot. And Andy, the first one you mentioned is we're going to make the business debt free, right? So we're going to add back interest, um, which and kind of all of these are what we call discretionary expenses. So not every business owner chooses to run their business with debt. So we get rid of that right off the bat.
0: Right. And then second we go Uh, And we'll normalize if there are state taxes involved. So it's interest taxes uh, and taxes. Although the business will still have to pay taxes to the new owner. Again, we're trying to compare businesses across state lines or even across international lines. And there might be different tax structures uh, for those businesses. So we're going to add back taxes now on non-taxed entities like S-corporations and LLCs pass-through entities, there won't be a tax. So a lot of times that's unlikely in a small business.
1: Right. And then the third thing we're going to take a look at is depreciation. Again, business owners choose different depreciation structures, and we're going to just add that back, normalize it across businesses. Not all businesses have depreciation either.
0: Right. And again, a lot of businesses have equipment, and that equipment does have real economic depreciation, but that doesn't match the tax depreciation. So I don't want to get too technicals because we could argue all day whether or not we should be adding back depreciation for some businesses, but we're going to add it back because that's going to be add, add to that pile of money that the new buyer could either use to pay themselves, to pay themselves a return on their investment, and or pay debt. Correct. And then the next one is amortization. And that again, is just a portion of the principle that it's being writ- written down on debt and is a non-cash write-off as we call. So interest, taxes, depreciation, amortization, kind of those non-taxable items uh, that are well accepted across the you know, because the, even the banks will add that back, to understand.
1: So those, those first four, so if we're looking at straight, clean EBITDA, those are the add-back expenses for EBITDA. Next, we're going to jump into what's going to take us to seller's discretionary earnings. So the first in that is owner's salary. And there's a couple important things with owner's salary. So one, it's the actual salary they're paying themselves through the company, not distributions or anything like that. It's a, a salary. The second thing is it's for one owner only. So we work with a lot of small businesses where there's partners or there's a husband and wife team. You're only going to add back one owner's salary. That's again one to normalize, but two, when most buyers are looking at the business, they're looking at it, it could be one person, so they're not going to be able to come in and replace multiple owners or family members working in the business.
0: Right, and this can be also an a, you know an, another adjustment uh, later on if there's if there is no owner operator. Right. Uh, So, But we'll talk about that in a minute. But along with the owner's salary is the officer's payroll taxes and any portion of the pension. So it's their whole salary structure. We get to add that back. And so with those first, quote unquote, seven items that we just went through, a lot of times those things can be seen, most of those things can be seen on the front page of the tax returns. So when we look at a business... And of course, the the net that the business already has. So when we look at a business, we pull your tax return, we look at the front page, and we can see the interest, we can see the depreciation, we can see the compensation to owners and or to partners. And we see that right on the front page, and we see the net. And we add all those together, and we have a very good idea of what the banks will accept as earnings or seller's discretionary earnings. Uh, without any further adjustments. But there are a ton of other further adjustments that can happen that the banks will look at or the banks won't look at.
1: Yeah. And I think a couple of key things before we jump into these next, because sometimes we'll talk about these next. What do we have? Eight through. 20, right? <laughs> um, so and sometimes owners get excited. They're like, oh, I can add back this and that. And I think the keys from what a buyer will accept as an add back and what a bank will accept as an add back is one, it definitely has to be not a business expense. You know, if, if it's generating business or helping the business operate, it's it can't be added back. The second thing is it has to be documented. It's so much easier to argue an expense with a buyer or a bank if you have documentation of what that expense was, why it was there, and what it was for. So let's go through some of these first. So the first one is owner's perks. And this could be auto expenses, auto insurance, life insurances, health and disability insurances. And again, keeping in mind, this has to be more of like a personal perk than a business expense. So a lot of times if you have a business that we mentioned auto costs and auto insurance, if you have a business that needs vans or trucks to operate and it needs the owner's truck to continue to operate, that's not an an ad back we can take. But if it's a personal vehicle and mostly used for personal use, then that's something to consider.
0: Right. So that's definitely something those are the high level owner perks we look at uh, that are pretty easily, you know, found and documented and we can add those back. And even sometimes the bank will look at things like excess cars uh, and and certainly the life insurance and health insurance. But again, the new owner will need those things perhaps. And so the banks may not look at those things and don't value those things as highly, perhaps as a, as a buyer would, as you said. So the next things are, you know, some of the things that we have to look at that, you know, we might be able to drag in. One of those is like excess telephone, you know, they get telephone for the whole family, uh, mobile phones, or, um, you know, I, I I know I have some excess family members floating around in my uh, cell phone bills. So it, it it so that can be brought in. But, you know, again, these some of these things get a little sketchy. And then and then we roll into another big one, which is real estate. Right
1: mm-hmm. now, ideally, and we're talking about here, if you own your real estate and ideally, if you own your real estate, you have it in a separate entity, you're paying yourself market rent. We know that doesn't always happen. So some adjustments we can look at is real estate is if you don't have the real estate in a separate entity, sometimes there's going to be expenses related to the real estate that don't apply to the business. Um, It could be taxes, property management, utilities, anything like that. Um, And then the next part we get into is rent. So oftentimes when we see owners that own their real estate and are renting it back to themselves, it's not reflecting market rent. And Andy, that could be either a positive or a negative, right?
0: Yeah, I I I just dealt with one that's not paying himself any rent whatsoever. Again, the real estate is actually in the entity. So they're paying the taxes, the appreciation, the interest. Um, and we will would add those things back. Now, we're not going to add back the taxes because the new owner, if a new owner were to rent the place, would pay a triple net lease. So okay. they're going to pay the insurance, they're going to pay the Uh, taxes, and they're going to pay the rent. And like you said, we have to be reasonable. We talk to sellers all the time. How much rent do you want? Well, I want this much rent. And it's like, you realize that's pretty high and it it really hurts your uh, discretionary earnings. And if you're getting a multiple for your discretionary earnings, every dollar you're quote unquote overcharging is going to hurt you two, three, four, whatever multiple you're using to value the business.
1: Yeah. So rent is one, of, especially if you own the real estate, that's one where it can actually drop your earnings versus increase them. So that's one you have to be careful with. Um, so the next one that, that we can look at is non-essential payroll family members. And Andy, you kind of teed us up to talk about this one. This is another big one. So sometimes we have people on payroll that are not essential to the business. And sometimes it can go the other way. Sometimes we have friends and family that are working in the business that are either underpaid or not paid at all. Like we see a lot of spouses that might be doing the bookkeeping for free, right? On the weekends and things like that. So this one can be another positive or negative where we have to adjust payroll for what it would be in a normal circumstance.
0: Yeah, and then we're now we're gonna start looking at some of the one-time exceptions, right? So donations can be an ad back sometimes, but sometimes they're not an ad back, we were dealing with a big business where they sponsored their number one customer's charity golf event every year. And, and I, that's, not, that's not an ad back. I mean, the new owner, if they wanted to keep their number one uh, customer, I'm sure would have to support that charitable event. But if you're you know buying all the uniforms for your kids' uh, soccer or baseball teams, that's certainly something we might be able to add back.
1: Yeah, and the next one's related to dues and subscriptions. Sometimes we'll see um, non-essential business expenses in there, but you have to be careful too. We've worked with some clients where they might be part of a business coaching group or a networking group, and they're like, oh, I really just do that for fun, but they're also getting 10% of their business from that group. So watch those those membership dues, subscriptions, things like that for purely non-essential business expenses.
0: Agreed. And then the next thing sometimes we look at is bad debt. And bad debt can be a one-time uh, customer going bankrupt. Uh, we had that once upon a time where somebody was doing business with Kmart. And one of their uh, one of their chapters uh, they went through. They lost fifty thousand dollars. Now that's a one-time charge back, and you can add that back. But uh, we we've sell, sold, sell some um, medical practices that have write-offs of bad debt all the time. It's just normal co- course of business
1: right so that needs to stay in right so that kind of leads us into other one-time expenses and here's where you have to be careful there's some one-time expenses that are going to be normal course of business one thing clients ask us a lot is like oh well i tried this marketing campaign it didn't work can i add it back It's kind of normal course of business where you might try a new marketing or advertising campaign, doesn't work. That might happen once a year, right? So that's not a one-time cost. What we're talking about here is things called like fire, theft, insurance payments. um, If you have a sale of a capital asset, consulting, litigation and lawsuits, those are usually one-time expenses that you can add back. And this category, too, is where we get a lot of questions about COVID and the pandemic restrictions. And that's where we had to look at it on a case-by-case basis. And was that really because of you know a regulation or a shutdown, or was it more normal course of business?
0: Yeah, and just talking about normal course of business, we have to watch out for unusual things happening and maybe edit, normalizing the financials. And one of them could be a customer loss or gain. All of a sudden, you get a huge customer at the end of a year, and uh, you know you want to normalize it. The you know you want to normalize it, saying, "Well, if the business had that customer last year, it would have made much more." Now, what happens if they lose a customer and they had a huge year because they had this one big customer, but they lost it? Well, now we're going to have to normalize that financial to look like if they didn't have that customer. And we've had situations where they lose it for three months, what would happen? So it's just, again, trying to get to a financial picture for the buyer moving forward.
1: Yeah, we actually had, and I think we've talked about this on the show, but we had an um, interesting case kind of related to customer loss with the roofing industry in Colorado a few years ago. We had two years of incredible hailstorm damage for two years in a row. It'd be the equivalent of Florida getting like you know four hurricane, four destructive hurricanes every year, and the roofing industry spiked. It went nuts because all the roofs needed to be replaced. And after that, the weather calmed not only calmed down, but insurance companies also stopped paying out for as much on the the hail damage. So we had to recast and adjust that moving forward because those were not normal years. So, right. Right. Yeah. All right, so where are we at? Number 18 leases that will be paid off at closing. So this is this is a fun one too, but again going back to normalizing. Not all businesses have this, but if you do have leases for equipment things like that that need to be paid off at closing, we have to adjust for that.
0: Yep. And then lastly, you know, not lastly, but second to last, you sometimes businesses get penalties or they have unusual income like PPP or things like that. And those need to be normalized. Now, PPP was forgiven. I just saw a tax return that was done for this year that they had to take it in as income, which is, but it's below the line. It was both, you know, uh, it was on their schedules. Uh, So it's not a part of that. But some people may make mistakes um, or they might get penalized for their PPP or, you know, those penalties can be normalized.
1: Yeah. Actually, that's a really good update point, too, Andy, from, our 2019 recast we didn't yeah. have PPP was not a, a word we were using yet, but that, that is a mistake we're seeing on some financials and tax returns by accountants. It's definitely needs to be categorized as other income, not included in the revenue. And that applies to your PPP, any grants you got anything like that. Um, Cause they have to come out. We've had a, actually a couple of deals now where the owners were even unaware of the fact that grants got thrown into their revenue and it, it bolsters their earnings. So last it's just ask about any large number. So any large one time expenses, any large increases, things like that, or decreases. Um, it doesn't happen often, but maybe your insurance costs go down, something like that. We're just trying to figure out what is the normal course of business for the revenue and expenses of your business to represent to it, uh, to represent it to a buyer.
0: Yeah, even cost of goods sold. We're gonna be looking at the percentages, especially interim cost of good things where they're not dealing with the inventory, perhaps in mid-year, and all of a sudden cost of goods sold is really low or really high because they didn't do a proper inventory adjustment yet. There's all kinds of things that could go into, but we're just looking at the numbers year over year, trying to get a great picture for not only the buyers uh, to understand what the value is, but the banks and the sellers. So everybody can be on the same page and be able to compare business to business. So people can have a fair shot in the marketplace of understanding what's for sale.
1: Yeah. I think just a couple words of caution when you're thinking about this, if you're a business owner is, one, we're living in reality. So it's not like, what if I could get my cost, I could get my costs of goods to come down this much. It's no, you have to already have accomplished that hurdle, right? So we're not projecting into the future of what could happen. And then, like we said, when we started going into all these other adjustments is really below owner salary uh, and benefits. It's It's a negotiation, right? So you want to keep good documentation. You don't want to push the line too much. You don't really um, want, want to have the banks or the buyers question too many of these expenses. So getting it to the point where you're normalizing your business, but you're not going over the line and, and trying to claim too many ad backs where they're really not there.
0: Yeah, one of our guests uh, that we're having, uh, we have both Ray Scog uh, from Business Intelligence and we have Julie Greeley, who not only is a Transworld Business Advisor owner, uh, but she is a longtime CPA and owns a bookkeeping business. And um, one of them said, I forget which one of them said that. You know, sometimes what happens when the when you look at a recast and the recast and the banks look at a recast that is highly recast recasted. Yeah. Um, right, or right, what? Right away, they said, mm, Do we really want to deal with this business? So your goal as a business owner. Is to minimize our needing to do a major rework, major recast of your financials. So number one through eight, you know, is pretty clean. That's a clean business. Everything else we're talking about—if you don't, if you aren't paying people right, if you're not charging yourself the right rent, if you're doing all kinds of crazy things to donations or to cost of goods sold or to telephone, and you're or you're writing off all these crazy expenses. That's going to be a problem.
1: Yeah, it's going to be. It's going to make the deal more difficult. It's going to make it more difficult to finance, and it's going to make some buyers shy away from the deal. Ultimately, so we talk a lot about financial records and the importance of this, but this is why. So we've got a great show today. you are going to follow up uh, with a part two soon about the rest of the valuation process, looking at comps and multiples. But I know Andy; those two interviews are key, and I think this is a really good podcast for business owners to just keep saved in their favorites. Uh, this is really where the question, how much is my business worth? This is where that answer starts.
0: Yeah, this is a great update. In fact, we did better at this time than we did last time, so.
1: Uh, we've got more experience now. <laughs>
0: right. So let's get to it.
1: Let's do it. Transworld Business Advisors is the world's largest business brokerage and mergers and acquisitions firm with over 500 brokers in nearly 200 offices worldwide. Transworld's team handles thousands of business sales every year. To be connected with a qualified business broker or learn more about the buying and selling process, visit tworld.com forward slash the deal board or call 888-719-9098. Hey, welcome back
0: everybody. And we are here on the deal board again, talking about recasting one of our favorite subjects. And I have one of the industry experts I love to talk to, Ray Scog from, uh, from excuse me, not Transworld. From, he feels like he's with Transworld. He's one of our partners, uh, Rainier Business Intelligence. And I love talking to Ray uh, because he loves putting together, on behalf of us and others, uh, he puts together these amazing reports, uh, but has a very practical approach to recasting. Ray, Ray welcome to the show.
4: Thanks, Andy.
0: Good to join you. Yeah, so uh, we were talking a little bit about beforehand. And, you know, again, this is about recasting. And uh, you said something that I really liked uh, and you have in your reports. But, you know, kind of the start of any good recast is getting a basis for your information. And that basis is a tax return, right? That's the most common financial statement that small businesses use. So and and then and then once you get that information you know tell us what your goal is that's a great question
4: and it keeps the end game in mind it starts off with saying how can i build my understanding of the company and i find that when when anybody works the numbers their insight increases so i really encourage everybody to dig into the numbers and and they will become more aware of of the business And then the end game is, what am I going to do with this recast? And it really should be to create a normalized financial statement that is clear of activities that are outside of regular operations and where expenses are recognized at market rates, officer compensation, rent expense, where revenue is normalized for example, excluding um, economic stimulus programs or the sale of business assets so that we end up with a normal income statement that then allows us to dive into really the gold of of the small business, understanding the cash flows of EBITDA and discretionary earnings so that then we can understand what value is how much financing the business can support, what would be the proceeds to a seller, talk about seller financing. So accurate recasting, Andy, is the gateway to to a a ton of information to be able to present about the business.
0: Yeah, I agree. And it's kind of the basis of buying a business and financing a business, as you said. And since sometimes we're dealing in multiples, uh, a mistake is certainly can be multiplied many times. Sure. And 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 one of the things you talked about uh, in the green room as we were getting ready for the interview is uh, talking about previous years. Now, how many years do you go back? You said something and I I want you to say it again. So,
4: yeah. So I think the normal period of, of time for a historical look back has been three years. However, I think that we should have the capacity to look at four or five years because. COVID was not normal. And so if we look at 2019, 20 and 21, we really have a hard time understanding what normal looks like. And so I think having the capacity to go back four or five years um, is very helpful. And I would say that when there is a good structure to capture the data, it, it is not too difficult or onerous to expect or to try to capture that fourth or fifth year,
0: right? Yeah, it, it's not it's not so hard, and your reports do a great job of that. So, you you usually take the reports, uh, the tax returns, and then you're entering entered them into a spreadsheet or a report, and then you're starting to normalize. So, talk to me about how you start normalizing the that data.
4: Yeah, I would suggest that page one of a tax return can really uh, uh, give us probably 90 to 95% accuracy. The subsequent pages of Schedule K and Schedule M further on, those are typically um, discretionary expenses. Uh, They are typically non-cash expenses like Section 179. So I would say you can get a lot of, of... result just by looking at page one, and by not trying to capture all of the other deductions, which can be 15, 20, 25 lines, and they can vary for each year. Now, so I think that we can summarize other deductions. You can, when you go back to to adding back your normalizations, identify in other deductions, what are the ad backs, officer life insurance, travel and entertainment, things like that. But using page one of the tax return allows us a format that then is very um, comparable to BizMiner, to RMA, to uh, Dun & Bradstreet. And so my recommendation is Use a format of recasting that allows you c- to compare results with other industry models like Bizminer.
0: Right, and you're and you're bringing up some of the databases that are out there for comparables, and understanding your you know how something stacks up in an industry. Uh, and you, you mentioned a, a few things um, about other deductions as well. Is kind of like you know how I, I always get disheartened when I pick up someone's tax return and I look on the front page and it's a bloodbath, you know, and they say they make lots of money and, you know, now we're going to have to go for, you know, we're going to dig for it. And if it's not on the front page, you know, it gets really tough. Wouldn't you say?
4: Well, business owners certainly have the discretion to report revenue and expenses on a tax return for the purpose of, of identifying their tax liability but sometimes that is a very aggregated business operation sometimes the kitchen sink is thrown in all of the exploratory the developing companies that they might have as as their side hustles and so on and so it is important to try to identify the the core company and those core activities that's right right so you know obviously
0: like you said people are are trying to use Uh, their tax returns to minimize their tax implications in a year. And now we're just trying to take that recast and we're trying to paint a picture to get to the second part of what you're trying to do in a recast, which is predict the future.
4: Yes. And so um, a couple of things when making the adjustments or the add backs, it's important that they can first be recognized in the income statement. A seller may say, well, I had $17,000 worth of of, um, work done on my house that was paid for by employee labor. And and that may well be true that there was $17,000 worth of cash that left the company, but the accountant may have recognized it as a distribution from the balance sheet rather than expensing it on the income statement. And so if it's going to be stipulated, it should be substantiated. So we always want to make sure that that add back was recognized on the expense statement before we had it back.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've seen that a lot with people say, well, I pay for my American express bill every single month through the, the business or I pay my home mortgage through the business. And they That's don't right. realize that their accountant is then taking those checks and putting it through as a distribution to the owner, which just falls to the bottom line. And then if you're in an S Corp or an LLC, um, it's gonna wind up just being you know over to the tax return of your individual tax return and you're gonna pay taxes on that money.
4: So there's some good questions that should be asked. Um, and again, it really needs to be if a if an ad back is going to be stipulated, it needs to be substantiated.
0: Right. So what are some of the ad backs that you kind of roll your eyes at? You know, we get we have all discussion about depreciation in some businesses that it's it's real depreciation. Uh, you know, I've seen that uh, happen in, uh, say, landscaping or things where uh, certainly rent the cars where where the, the asset is truly depreciating very, very quickly and needs to be replaced. So what are some of the ad that you'll look at and say, you know, as a more sophisticated approach, uh, you, have, you might have to question as a buyer. Yeah,
4: so um, I look at depreciation and we leave depreciation in in the normalized income statement, now it's going to be added back to cash flows of EBITDA, but we'll go ahead and leave that in the normalized statement. Um, and let's talk about from the historical standpoint. Um, I think that some of the addbacks are they they need to be material. For example, a bank will look and say you've got five rows of nickel and dime smaller addbacks. And I would often say they're not worth fighting over. And so, for example, a lender may look and say, "If we've, if there's too much effort to make this business look profitable, I, I, it, it, it sounds a little less reliable." And so, my my point is, is that uh, be cautious about trying to win an argument on if it is an add back or not. And a bank is going to be very conservative. And so I would say, don't be overly aggressive early in the process, only to have the argument blow apart if there's financing going to be required.
0: Yeah, for sure. You know, banks don't necessarily like digging through other income, other deductions to find uh, the money that's going to pay for the loan. In fact, they're usually they're pretty hesitant to do those
4: kind of things. That's right. Yeah, we need to be careful about what we ask an underwriter to do. The underwriter cannot say, well, they told me that expense was not normal. Well, their supervisor may have a a little pushback. So I think the point is, let's make sure that we're not putting somebody in a bad position to ask them to do something that they may not be able to defend once a lender starts getting a, a a jaundiced view of a company it's very difficult to try to re that argument so to start off with be careful about what arguments we are trying to to win in the ad back world
0: yeah i, I always tell people you know they, they they try to write off all the postage in a business because they bring their christmas cards in to send them out to their friends and family and i'm like that's really not, you know, it's not worth the battle, and it and it certainly makes you look uh, like you're yes, trying to find every single dollar, uh, and 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 that's sometimes disingenuous. You would would rather the buyer feel like you were being conservative uh, in that approach uh, than than not. So
4: that's right. Now let me tell you the best argument to t- to take up, and let's think about the tax return. We have one line of revenue and we have 27 rows of expenses. And all of our attention goes to those 27 rows of expenses and we try to normalize that or we try to increase cash flow. My proposition is decrease risk and decrease risk by elaborating about revenue. Instead of having just one line of revenue, be able to recognize what are the 10 revenue streams? And how, do, how stable, how varied are they? A buyer typically is not buying a cost structure. They are buying a revenue opportunity. So maximize the clarity about revenue and decrease the risk and increase the certainty and everybody wins.
0: And that, that's a great point. I always tell people that, you know, if you have problems in business, uh, revenues can often make up, <laughs> can clear up those
4: issues. So- oh, people will pay top dollar for your ability to, to, to create a revenue stream. And so, my point is, if you're going to elaborate on something, be cautious about elaborating on ad backs for expense. But be be uh, head over heels in in defining how revenue is created. Be be very. Uh, um, demonstrative and elaborate about that. Yeah, well that's a great tip uh, to not
0: only buyers uh to look into the revenue sources but to sellers to shore up those things. Uh you know customer concentration issues. Um certainly you could have all the revenue in the world but if you have one customer that's going to devalue your business greatly or increase the risk as you just explained. Well said. And so if um to kind of wrap it up and uh you know if you had some advice for you know sellers and or buyers and 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 brokers as they approach the recasting you know what are some of the things that you've seen out there in the world that are just like we shouldn't be doing that or you know like you know if if only the world would do this we 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 would it it'd be a better place you know
4: you know i think that having a bottom line discretionary earnings is this, that EBITDA is that. That's a powerful statement, but delivering a what has limited value. Delivering a why and delivering a how has exponential value. So my recommendation is tell a better story. Well,
0: that's great. Great. Because I know one way people can Tell us better story. Is they could hire you. So give us a little a bit of insight what your company does.
4: Well, that's a that's a great question, and thank <laughs> you for that. <laughs> so we have we have um, two platforms that I believe are valuable to the Trans World Brokers. The first is our Valuation Brief Workbook. It is a resource that we sell to to brokers. Um, it is uh, it produces reports to their personal branding specifications, their name, their address, they can put their Transworld logo in it, and they control it. And so it's a very useful tool to provide the capturing of the tax return, the adjustments, the, the recast and the forecast, and it will develop what IBBA calls a most probable selling price developed by the market approach. And right. so it's a, it produces a very good twelve-page report that a that a, a business broker can complete right on their desktop, and I have many clients who are then selling this report to their clients, and and it's a useful tool. Secondly, when they have captured that data, they can then export that to Rainier Business Intelligence, and we can create a series of reports a business review which just talks about the business not talking about value but let's just make sure that we're we have a foundational understanding of performance then we prepare a calculation of value using the asset market and income approach and that's a very nice report it it, it additionally then we can create a business plan we can create an executive brief, which captures some of the the narrative content, the history, from a financial perspective. And lastly, Andy, we produce dashboards. These are one-page flyers, dashboards that are convenient for the broker to be able to email. They can be scrubbed and have no seller content or, or identifying name. And so, uh, it's a it's a package that is the next step for the broker who wants to go a little bit deeper and have a very um, professional, consistent report, again, all branded to their personal uh, specifications, their contacts, their logo. They are the contact person.
0: it's 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 a great package of reports, and you know, I love them, and we need to use them more often because information is power. And I believe that our best consumers, both buyers and sellers, are educated ones. And uh, having Ray and his team help uh, do the recast, and uh, not make a mis- you know, not perhaps make a mistake that gets multiplied by a, a multiplier that you're trying to value the business with—but have the, the ability just to have, uh, you know, a third party help educate both buyer and seller about the the investment uh, they're going to make and/or what they're going to sell. So that's that's great, Ray. I really appreciate you coming on today. Thanks. It's our pleasure. So give me just, I I love it for you to give out your uh, information to everybody so they can get in touch with you. What's the best way to do
4: that? Yeah. Email is my first name, last name at RainierBI.com, rscog at RainierBI.com,
0: 614-270-0609. And we will put that information in the show notes and get it out. Ray, thank you again for coming on. Really informative. A lot of fun. Thanks, Andy. Hey,
1: Andy, do you know what time it is? It's time for our Deal of the Week. Deal of the Week. Sold. Hey,
0: everybody. Welcome back. And it is Deal of the Week. And I have just Justin Lefebvre from Transworld Business Advisors of Central Florida. I, I did okay on the name, but uh, Justin it's always good to have you. And this was another
5: interesting deal. We always like interesting deals. That's right. It's always it's always a good deal when it gets done. Right. So we had a we had a buyer uh, step in on this one. It was exciting. The seller wanted to sell for personal reasons. He had to get out. So we listed the business right. It was had a net of three hundred fifty thousand, and we listed the business at five hundred thousand. We had a buyer come in. And uh under due diligence we we got under got under contract, and during due diligence, the buyer backed out, just got cold feet and backed out. So we had another offer, brought it in, went under due diligence, and on the second offer, the buyer didn't have the logistics to make it all work. so uh, that deal fell apart, and meanwhile, the first buyer was really kicking himself for not sticking with it. So he came back one week to close, better than the first offer he made. And it was a good deal done with good people.
0: That's nice. And what kind of business was it again?
5: This this was a fence company, fencing company in Vero Beach.
0: So fencing company, Vero Beach, making about 300 grand, eventually sold for what? 500,000. 500, 500,000. And uh, we see that in, uh, it's pretty common in those kind of Service businesses where they don't sell for a full multiple, but the seller really wanted to get out for personal reasons. Absolutely, absolutely. So wanted wanted a quick deal. wasn't so quick, but uh, you you got it done in the end with the first buyer.
5: That's right. All said, you know, the whole process only took about from the first offer that was made to closing was about six weeks. So it really okay. was still really was still a pretty quick deal. Still pretty quick deal.
0: Okay, great job, Justin. Justin, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that?
5: The best way to do that is to call my cell phone number. That's 772-925-2675. You can also send me an email at jlefebure at tworld.com. That's J-L-E-F-E-B-U-R-E at tworld.com. All right. Thanks, Justin. I appreciate you coming on today. Thank you, Andy. It's my pleasure. Hey,
0: welcome back, everybody. And we are talking, recasting one of our favorite subjects. And I have one of my favorite experts on the line with me. I was about to say on the phone, but I'm dating myself already right here Mm -hmm. on our uh, both on Zoom. And of course, you're hearing the audio. We have Julie Greeley from Transworld Business Advisors of Lake Lanier, but that's not all you do. Tell us your background and what else you do that makes you an expert.
2: Oh, okay. Hey, Andy, thanks for having me. Um, Uh, my background, geez, I'm going to date myself. Okay. So about 35 years of accounting experience, went to school for accounting. Um, I've been, you know, the director of finance for private schools, for nonprofit organizations. And I've also owned a bookkeeping service um, for um, about 30 years now for, you know, between, it kind of fluctuates, depends upon whether the company is Uh, sold or not, but between 10 and and 15 different companies every single month. So we um, do all their books, enter all their transactions in their bank, reconcile their bank accounts and credit cards. And and, uh, in addition to that, I am co-owner of Transworld Business Advisors of Lake Lanier here in North Georgia. So um, We stay a little busy here, so.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so tell me, you know, it's interesting that, you know, you had all that background in accounting. I I didn't have a background in accounting, but I feel like I'm an accountant now after going to valuation school and, uh, you know, recasting things for, but you came from the other way. So tell me what it was Mm -hmm. like to come from the other way and all of a sudden get into Trans World and say, hey, maybe, you know, we all have to look at these financials a different way.
2: Yeah, well, I, I, you know, I went through training like everybody else did. And um yeah, you know, recognized a few things through my training class that um I thought maybe you know just from a different angle should be um, mentioned. And um and I've seen a lot of PL PLs <laughs> and I've seen a lot of crazy things that people do too with their with their finances, depending upon the size of the business too, right? Um and and have at it. Good, you know, if you can get away with it, um run as much as you can through your company is as long as you can get away with it. And it depends on your bookkeeper too. And, and whether they're um, and they're, we have to follow what's called the general accounting principles.
0: Sure. Right. Yeah. It's, called,
2: it's called gap. Yes. And we do, you know, we, we always, I personally just take everything that I don't think is business related and throw it into either owner's draw or which is on your balance sheet or somewhere else. So we have a nice clean PL. So with the next buyer, that or would they decide to sell it and the next buyer looks at it and says, Oh, wow. Okay. And you have a true bottom line numbers, but not all bookkeepers, not all businesses run their books that way.
0: Right. Um, so that's probably what you've seen here at trans world is you go right. into a business and they're not your bookkeeping client or uh, client or your CPA client, yeah. you know, one of your fre- friendly CPAs that you work with. So you go in there and the books are a mess. And so what's your kind of first approach? What are you looking to do?
2: Well, I guess the first thing we want to do um, uh, from an accounting perspective, we'll look at the PL and we will look at the balance sheet um, and we'll look at the tax returns. So the first thing you want to do is look at the tax returns. If We're, we're talking about recasting, right? Sure. You want to see if their um, accounting method is cash or accrual. And then you want to look at the PL and the balance sheet to see if those reports that were provided to you are were printed off on cash and accrual, because you want to make sure that all reports are going to balance or match up to each other for that purpose. Because right. if your PL is in accrual but they're reporting their taxes on an, on cash, the, the numbers are never going to match up. Right. So I guess that's the first checklist, right? right. First item, um, and then. Uh, I guess, I guess the next thing would be, I, I, I made a couple notes here. Um, sure. I, yeah. The first thing I would ask a customer, the seller immediately when they presented those P&Ls are, are these based on reconciled bank accounts? Because that's often we'll get a, re, we'll be working with P&Ls, or our agents will be working with P&Ls, and never thought to ask, Oh, by the way, are these, Reports based on reconciled bank account, which means everything is entered right down to the penny or, you know, within 10 cents, right? Right. Um, because we've actually run into situations where that PL that was provided to us. Later is a completely different PL because oh I forgot I didn't I didn't reconcile my bank accounts when I gave you that report and everything looks really nice on the first report <laughs> because they may not have entered they entered all their sales but they may not have entered all their expenses right. so I think that that's a, a, a really important thing to double check um, and I actually bring it up it came up again in our um, sales meeting today with a new a new listing that was coming up and um, it was. The bottom line and the margins were so high; uh, it was like an immediate question that I brought up. So, there's some um, that, and let me think. We talked about the accounting method, and um, there's a couple things that I've seen on PLs and ls that, um, to me, would jump out. And maybe not somebody who's in accounting would jump; it would jump out to them. And that is sales tax, for example someone will post sales tax on their p and as an expense when really it's a liability. Right. So as you collect the sales tax, it goes into, you know, like a, a little um, bank account, so to speak on your chart of accounts. And then as you pay it, it comes out and then the money goes in, it goes out all, all month long. And, and it doesn't um,
0: necessarily count as revenues.
2: Never. You should right. never count sales tax as revenue or an expense for that matter. But right. some people put their sales tax as a large expense. It could be in there as $20,000. Right. And, um, you know, so we'll do on on my end, I'll do one of two things. I'll either ask their bookkeeper to correct it with a journal entry. And then from now on, put it on the balance sheet, or we'll just put it in the recast column right. as um, as a one-off, so. So,
0: you know, buyers, when buyers are out there looking at businesses and they hear the word recast, you know, their, their first, you know, their first thought is somebody's cooking the books, but actually we're trying to make the books make more sense or be able to compare, you know, business to business based on like a guiding set of principles. So what are some of the things you've seen out there where, you know, uh, you know, would help buyers understand, you know, some of the normal things that are quote unquote recasted?
2: Um, I would say a, a lot of t- depending upon the business, of course, because these are different, it all depends on the business, but, you know, let's say um, it's a retail store and they're writing off all their vehicles, um, fuel um, insurance for the vehicles, but there's no transportation having to do with the business. So the owner is having their leases and their payments and their, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, We've seen um, utilities that are you appear to me jumps out and says, oh, that's a really high amount. Um, And then once you dive into it, you realize, oh, they're paying all their home utilities through the business, too. So um, so that's another item that would come out. Um, I would say interest, of course because not every new buyer is going to be um, paying interest. Um, finance charges from banks and credit cards. Um, let me see, things along along those lines. Those are the most, right. I think, common that you look for.
0: I and, and I I have this belief, but I'll ask you the question. Do you think things are getting better or worse when people are, reca- you know, as far as their books and records are concerned?
2: Well, <laughs> I, I think it depends on the... Um, on the climate, the accounting climate. Yeah. And the IRS. Right. And, um, how many, uh, this may sound silly, but the climate of, um, how many IRS agents are out there, you know, like in one administration, they may have, you know, uh, 20,000 more IRS agents. And some people, um, are much more diligent with what they're going to write off. And then if you're in a climate where there's less, um, and I've heard this from sellers. Really? It's not just my advice, <laughs> right. not advice, but something I've noticed. Yeah. Um, but yeah.
0: So w- when, when recasting a financial, how many years are you looking for these days?
2: Um, I'm looking for four because we're discounting um, 20. Um, I, so I'll go, I'll ask them for 18, 19, 20, and 21 now. And then we'll discount 20 and then do um, a comparison and an average of all three. Um, and, and in general, that's what works.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, there, there's been some normalization due to COVID. And you want to just see the trend, right? So 2021 Check. was a great year for some businesses. And some businesses were still recovering. Is that what you're seeing out there?
2: Yeah. and um, and And some businesses did really well. Based, you know, depending upon the type of business, printing companies, um, sign companies did, I noticed, did very well. They they put all the stickers on the floor and signs on the windows and they had to come from somewhere, right? So, right. and they did significantly well. So that's why even if they did great, we're still discounting that, right? right? Because they're not as going to do as well the next year or the next year, Um Sure. And even like printing companies that did masks. Right. Um, one, of our, one of my clients is a, is a printing company for um, apparel. And he sold more in masks in one year than he did in apparel. Wow. And see, yeah, so when we did his books, we kept a, a separate line item for those sales to know that you know, that's not a normal year for that specific item.
0: So you bring up a great point is if you have a business owner that's thinking of selling and, you know, is there some things that they should tell their bookkeeper or tell themselves or tell their CPA, hey, I think I'm going to sell in a couple of years. Maybe we need to watch what we're doing uh, moving forward, because uh, as you and I know, uh, the banks don't love digging too deep into these financials.
2: Right. Yeah. Um, I can give you a couple of good examples. Sure, what <laughs> are kind of funny. I mean, we we did an evaluation just recently um, of a company, and you know what not to do is what not to do is run an eighty foot um, houseboat and its payments and the slip and the pontoon boat that goes along with it as um you know as into your P and L report. So right. <laughs> And it's just—it's like whoa. Okay, um, you might want to stop doing that if you're thinking of selling in the next couple of years, because um, you know the bank's going to see that and and they frown upon it too. Uh, so,
0: yeah, um, you know, if you're cheating that hard in your business, you know they might not believe everything else too. It just creates inconsistencies that people don't like to do.
2: Right and we had another business um that uh, approached us they wanted to sell and we looked at their books i mean um i think my job i spend more time looking at P&Ls for the team and for um my partner dave Greeley, um just to jump and and jump in and see you know what specifically will um jump out at me and we found that we found one owner who specifically who for half of her deposits for her receivables, she was actually depositing the money into her personal checking account. Ooh. So Ooh. yeah, she was. So she would, and she was on a cash basis. If any, you know, if you understand, and so she was discount lowering her sales significantly. Um, and I said, okay, you need to be honest about this. If you want to sell two years from now, three, now, you need to deposit everything into your checking account. And um, oh, your business checking account so that you're boosting and showing your actual sales. Right. So, yep. So, things like that.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I you, you brought up a great point to start with that, you know, so many people don't reconcile their bank accounts to their QuickBooks. And that's right. just, a, it's sort of a nightmare because once you have to like try to go back a few years, it makes it very, very difficult.
2: Right. And we've done those projects for um, actually a couple other transworld um, locations have contacted me and said, you know, would one of your bookkeepers um, reconcile back a couple of years for us? So, um, and it's, yeah, it's a serious hassle. It is. But on that point, when you go to closing and you have like an SBA involved, they're going to ask for the last two years of bank statements. And they're right. going to do their due diligence. And then you're going to have issues because the sale, the total deposits aren't going to equal your sales receivables. And um, for example, with that one client and, um, but also your bank balances, your ending balances aren't going to match. Right. Um, so it, it's going to cause some issue. It might even kill a few deals. Right. So it's just asking that one question, are the, your bank accounts reconciled can help eight months down the
0: road. So. Sounds great. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things going, but you know, I think the bottom line is, which I tell everybody, um, you know, you need good books and records to approach the recast. And then once we do the recast, you know, we want to get it right. And we want it to be as clean as possible because again, we're, we may be multiplying that bottom line number to get you the full value for your business. And if any of those dollars are in question, it's just going to affect the value.
2: Yeah. And I mean, even if it's only a couple thousand, you know, you do a two multiple. 4,000 may not seem like a lot, but if there's many of those in there, (laughs) it adds up quick.
0: Yeah, it adds up very, very quickly. So, but, you know, I really appreciate this. If there's one tip you want to give buyers or sellers to, you know, to leave with, what is it?
2: One tip. Um. You know, honesty is best when it comes to your accounting. You know, be honest. That that way you don't have to remember a lie going down the road.
0: (laughs) I've heard, heard, yeah, I've heard that, you know, you just have to assume the government's your partner.
2: It (laughs) is, it it is, unfortunately. You know, know, for some people, they don't look at it that way. But in the long run, it pays off just being honest with um, doing your tax returns and, and, um, you know, reducing that anxiety down the road am I going to get caught am I you know right you, you don't want that you know life right. is life can be tough enough right
0: yeah no I, I I appreciate that so Julie thank you so much for your words of wisdom what's the best way to get in touch with you if somebody wants to learn more about trans world or and or your bookkeeping services
2: um well you you can call um, our phone number it is uh, 70-225. 2910. And um, that'll give you a list of our agents, but I'm number zero. So there you go. And yeah, and my email is jgreely at tworld.com.
0: Excellent. We'll put all that in the show notes. Julie, thank you so much for coming on, giving giving us your expertise. I appreciate it.
2: Great. I appreciate the invitation. Thanks.
0: Hey Jessica, you know what time it is? Money time. Almost, it's time for listing of the week. Hey, welcome back, everybody! It is listing of the week, and I have JT Tatum from Transworld Business
3: Advisors, South Carolina, North Carolina. Yeah. GT, you got another great listing. Check out this is from our Asheville office, Andy. It is a 20-year landscape opportunity. They do landscape design, install, and maintenance. About a 50-50 split of revenues and what they do. Six million in revenue, uh, about a million dollars in EBITDA, and it and seller's discretionary earnings. And you're looking at a four and a half million dollar purchase price. He's got 35 people, five key managers in place that know the transaction's going to happen. Wow. And they are prepared for a new owner to come in and take this thing to the next level. I, I, and, and landscaping's not going away anytime uh, soon Not anytime soon. And where this is, is a very insulated market. They're the big player in town. And most of their clients are high net worth individuals with second and third vacation homes here. So it's a, I mean, it's a, a very insulated, very well protected marketplace. It would be high barrier of entry to, for anybody to come in as a, and be a competitor here, and they're 12, twenty years well established in that community. Sounds like a great deal. If they want to get in touch with you, what's the best way? Uh, JT Tatum at TWorld.com. That's J double T A T E M at TWorld.com. Nice. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Andy.
0: Thanks for tuning into the show today. If you like the podcast, share it with your friends on social media. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting app. If you have questions, would like to appear, or have suggestions for topics for the show, get in contact with us through our website, thedealboardpodcast.com.
2: Mom, Dad, you should shop Amazon for back to school and save some money. See, I'm currently obsessed with superheroes and need all the superhero stuff. Superhero launch box, superhero backpack. But next year, it'll be something else. Maybe dinosaurs? I don't know. I'm not a fortune teller. But I can tell you not to spend a fortune and shop low prices for school on Amazon. Okay, good chat. Amazon, spend less, smile more.